the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When Saul got converted and they changed his name to Paul, there were some back then who didn't believe it. They said all those who heard him were astonished and they asked, Hey, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? And all I want you to know is if, if Saul could be saved, anyone could be saved. If a guy like Saul can be converted, trust me, you also can be converted. And that's my prayer today, that anyone here today who's not a Christian, before they leave, they'll give their life to Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there a real God? And where is he when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles. And let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today. Well, thank you for being here today. And, uh, We are just uh, thankful for this opportunity. We've been preaching through the Bible in a chronological order, and we only have three weeks left, and we will have gone through the whole Bible. How many of you have you've had a good time doing doing that, going through the Bible? And we're currently in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a history of the church in the first century. The book of Acts is the first book the first book after the resurrection. And I'm going to talk uh, to you about four events, four missionary journeys, four cities, and four truths. Now, how many of you think I can do that in about 35 minutes? Raise your hand if you think I can do that. At least I know who my friends are. (laughs) Event number one was when Stephen is stoned. He's the first Christian to ever be martyred for his faith. And event number two is when Saul was standing there giving approval to Stephen being stoned. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the end of chapter 7. And I want to read, just to catch us up, where we were last week, the first two events. Event number one, the stoning of Stephen and Saul giving approval. I just want us to see it in the Bible. Acts chapter 7, verse 57. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, speaking of Stephen. And here it is in verse 58. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named who? Saul. And they literally stoned Stephen to death there in verse 58. And while they were stoning him, verse 59, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which means he died. And then chapter 8, verse 1, and here he is, Saul was there giving approval to his death, which means that he was almost clapping. He was saying, thumbs up. Hey, this is a good thing. He was winking and nodding. As Stephen was losing his life, Saul was there going, hey, this is a good thing that Christians are being killed. Saul was giving approval to his death. Event number three, write this down, a great persecution breaks out against the church. As soon as Stephen was stoned, he was the first. The Bible says on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout all of Judea and throughout all of Samaria. Now the good news in all this is in verse 4 that reads, those who had been scattered... They preached the word wherever they went. Now, event number four, this is is where everything turns. Saul gets saved. It's really, besides the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, one of the most pivotal points in the entire New Testament. And he changes his name from Saul to what? To Paul. And the greatest persecutor of the church becomes the greatest promoter of the church. Only God could do something like that. Amen, amen. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9. Saul, this is where he gets converted. It says in verse 1, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. What does murderous threats mean? Saul was saying, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to kill you. If you are a Christian, we're going to kill you. He was breathing out these murderous threats. And the Bible says in verse 1, he he breathed out these murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And so he goes to the high priest. And in verse 2, he asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. And Saul is thinking to himself, hey, we killed Stephen. Let's kill the rest of the, I don't care where they are. There might be some way up there in Damascus. Let's go get them up there in Damascus. And it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, a light from heaven shone down completely engulfed him. He goes blind. He can't see anything. And verse 4, he falls to the ground and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he goes, who are you? He goes, who is this? He can't see, who is this? And he says, I am, what's the word? Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now look at verse 6, it says, now get up. Everyone say, get up and go into the city, and then you will be told what you must do. And you need to read the rest of that story, but he ends up giving his life to Jesus Christ, and he's, he's actually baptized, they baptize him, and he turns his life around, and then God gives him this assignment to take the gospel to the world. So Paul, in the rest of the book of Acts, I'm going to sum all this up, He goes on four missionary journeys, four. The first one, uh, it it takes 1,581 miles for only 53 days. And this is Acts 13 and 14. The only thing I want you to note is a couple things is where does it start? It starts all the way up there in a place called Antioch. That's where it starts. And because what's happened here is that because of the persecution... The area around Antioch has become the cradle for early Christianity, not Jerusalem. All all this stuff starts up there in Antioch. And he goes to that green area called Galatia. And uh, that whole 
body of land to the north. All that land up there is modern-day Turkey, if you want to know where that is on a a modern-day map. Missionary journey number two. If you want to read about all this, you need to read Acts 15, 16, 17, and 18. The only thing I want you to notice about missionary journey number two is is that he's going further to the west, all right? He actually wanted to go east, but the Holy Spirit uh, would not let him and said, no, I want you to come west. And now he's over in what's today called modern-day Greece, because that's where he gets to Corinth and Athens and Thessalonica and Philippi. Journey number three takes 3,307 miles, 92 days, in Acts chapter 18, 19, 20, and 21. And then we come to missionary journey number four, which he doesn't go back because, and I want you to notice, it only takes how many days for this fourth journey? Now, why did it only take 36 days? Why only 36 days? Because he's on the ocean. He ends up in Rome. And we're going to talk about that uh, in just a few moments. Now, in these four journeys, there are four cities. Now, there's many cities, but I only have time to tell you about four major cities besides Jerusalem. I want you to write this down. Number one is Antioch. The Bible says this, Acts eleven twenty six. it was in this city that the disciples were first called Christians. No one had ever been called Christian. And it was in Antioch during a time of prayer and fasting among the teachers of the church that the Holy Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul to do the work for which they had been called And they would become the world's first missionaries and preach the gospel on the islands of the Mediterranean Sea and that region of Galatia, which today is modern-day Turkey. So these missionary journeys begin from that church in Antioch. And one day you come to church, we're going to have a whole study just on the church that was in Antioch. It was perhaps the best church that there's ever been. And again, you can read about that in, in the book of Acts. The second city that you need to be aware of is the city of Philippi. Philippi is important because it is the city where Paul wanted to go east and the Holy Spirit said, no, come west. And so the first city they come to is the city of of Philippi. And I have some things here. On the way to Philippi, they meet a young man named Timothy, a doctor named Luke, Together they ministered at a church of women in the city of Philippi led by a seller of purple cloth named Lydia. They also exorcised a demon out of a fortune teller, angered some local merchants. They were thrown into prison. They were freed from their bonds by a heaven-sent earthquake. And then they baptized the jailer of that prison into salvation. And the church, here's what you need to know about Philippi. It is the first known church congregation in the continent of Europe. And what's important is that the gospel comes west. It goes from the land of Israel. It goes to that land where is now Turkey, and then it goes into Greece. It eventually goes to Rome, on into Europe. And because of that, the gospel comes to America. And so that's why Philippi is important for you today. Uh, Number three is Ephesus, uh, the third great city in all those journeys. And you can see that map. It's modern-day Turkey And look where Ephesus, it's clear on the western shore. And by the time the Apostle Paul got to Ephesus, 
Ephesus was already a thousand years old. The city was a thousand years old by the time uh, Paul showed up to Ephesus. The longest time he ever spent in any one city was Ephesus. He spent three years. When he was traveling, he stopped there for three years. And uh, when he left, he left the church into the hands of a really good guy. Because when he left, he left it to a young man named Timothy. Timothy becomes the leader of that church. And that's when you read 1st and 2nd Timothy, Paul's writing a letter back to Timothy, who's in charge of the church there in the city of Ephesus. City number four, write this down, of course, is the city of Rome. No disputing that during the time of Paul's missionary journeys that the greatest city of the known world was Rome. After his voyage, they had the shipwreck in Malta. They finally arrive. When he gets to Rome, he discovers there's already a church that's there. The gospel has outsped him. And so by the time he gets there, there are believers already there in the great city of Rome. He lives there under house arrest for two years. And while he's there, people can come visit him. And he continues to teach them. And he also, while he's in prison, he writes many letters which next week you will discover because this week we're looking at his ministry next week we're going to look at his writings because he wrote half of the new testament tradition tells us that his ministry ended in rome after he appeared before nero to preach the gospel and after that meeting he was inevitably sentenced to death and then ultimately was martyred for his faith i have four truths truths number one if saul can be converted anyone can be converted We've all met people that we've looked at someone and said, you know, that guy will never, ever be, it's not possible. Back in Acts chapter 9, verse 21, we'll put it on the screen, when Saul got converted and they changed his name to Paul, there were some back then who didn't believe it. They said all those who heard him were astonished, and they asked, hey, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? And all I want you to know is if if Saul could be saved, anyone could be saved. And I want to take it just a notch further. It's the same thing. So if, if a guy like Saul can be converted, trust me, you also can be converted. And that's my prayer today, that anyone here today who's not a Christian, before they leave, they'll give their life to Jesus Christ. Number two, write this down. Number two, converts to Christianity should have a worldwide vision. The moment Paul was saved, his whole focus and demeanor changed. That he now wanted to to promote Christianity. He wanted the whole world to be saved. He goes on not just one missionary journey, he goes on two. He doesn't just do two, he does three, and then he does four. He wants to go to Ephesus, He, he wants to get to those big cities. He wants to get to Philippi. He wants to go to Rome. Why? Because that's where all the people are. He wants to influence the world. And I I believe that once you realize, once it dawns on you, oh, that Jesus is the Messiah, once it dawns on you that Jesus is the Savior, once it dawns on you, oh, Jesus, through Jesus, my sins can be forgiven. Once it dawns on you, oh, 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 Jesus, he's my ticket to heaven. Once you fully understand that, you want everyone to have that ticket. I mean, there's something wrong 
if you understand what it means to be lost and now you're saved and now you don't want to share that with anyone else, there's something wrong about that. If you understand that there's some of your neighbors that are lost, some of the people where you work are lost, people are going to be in the restaurant where you go today are lost, people in your own family are lost. I just think that we, once you get saved, we shouldn't have to beg you to share it. We shouldn't have to push you. It's just an automatic response. It cured me. It can cure you. And that's the way the gospel is spread. Number three, quickly, quickly. Commitment leads to courage and faithfulness. It leads to courage. You know, Paul was a traveler. Some of you like to travel. He would never say uh, to Barnabas, hey, Barnabas, what, what, uh, what hotel are we staying at tonight? He didn't stay in hotels. They got to a city. He would say, Barnabas, go check out the prison because that's where we're going to be later on tonight. Go, go see what those prison accommodations are like. Because he knew he was going to get arrested. On one of these missionary journeys, a great story uh, in Acts. They're in a city called Lystra. And Lystra is where the Listerines live. And uh, Paul was, they took Paul and they took him outside of the city and they actually stoned him to death. Actually, literally stoned him to death. The only reason they stopped throwing the rocks is because they thought he was dead. He looked dead. I don't think he'd actually died, but he looked like he was, he was dead. And the very next verse in the Bible, I'll put it on the screen, says, it's Acts 14, 20. After the disciples had gathered around him, the Bible says this, he got up. And where did he go? He went where? He went right back in in the safe city. I want to read this to you quickly. I'll just read it to you in 2 Corinthians. It says that, uh, he says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day at the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city. He should have said in danger from the Listerines, in danger in this country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled, have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all the church. And I'm just going to ask you a question. What makes a guy willing to go through all that for the gospel? He's committed. It's his commitment. Once you commit to Jesus Christ, you'll be able to be faithful. Some of you think, well, I can't be a Christian. I just won't be able. I just don't think I can be. If you commit yourself to Jesus, you can. You make some commitments to things. Why don't you make the greatest commitment in your life and make a commitment to Jesus Christ today and see where that leads you? And number four, number four as we close, what you do in, 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 in this world for Jesus, it lasts for eternity. You see, we're here today talking about something that happened 2,000 years. Here's this guy named Saul who gets converted. He becomes this missionary. He writes half the New Testament, and here we are 2,000 years later talking about it. I want to ask you, if the Lord tarries another 2,000 years, you think somewhere on the planet there'll be a church meeting still talking about the Apostle Paul? Yeah. But what, what you need to know is what you do spiritually, 
It's just not a 2,000-year effect. It, uh, it lasts for all of eternity. The Caesar in charge during Paul's last days was a man named Nero. Paul and Nero lived in the same city. You couldn't find two more opposite people anywhere in the world. Nero was Caesar. Paul was a prisoner. Nero was a hero. Paul was a zero. Nero's name made the headlines every day. Paul's did not. Nero was a good-looking dude, it has been said. Paul was most likely an an elderly, stoop-shoulder, short, elderly man, bald, full of scars from being whipped three times, stoned, and different shipwrecks. Nero was married to a woman named Sabina, a blonde beauty who bathed in donkey milk. 400 donkeys were kept on hand just for her. She would be dried by a swan feather and have her skin moisturized with crocodile mucus. Nero liked his women with soft skin, and what Nero wanted, Nero got. Paul was celibate. He never got married. He was a single man. Nero, in the summer of 64, Rome burned to the ground. Three-fourths of the city was leveled. And the people blamed the politician, Nero. Nero, being a politician, deflected the blame and said, no, it was the Christians. And the Christians in those days were the poor people who were following Jesus Christ. And so he begins to persecute Christians. They literally took people who were believers and tied them to a stake poured tar all over them and lit them on fire and it was used for their events at night the light the lights at night they didn't have electricity it were christians that were burning at stakes were the lights for the evening at age 25 nero deified himself in the roman empire having a 120 foot tall statue of himself erected at the center of rome nero had freedom and power and resources paul didn't have any of that by age 29 nero was lonely and paranoid his second wife killed his first wife not too long after that nero kicked his second wife who was pregnant to death the story gets only worse from there eventually four years after paul's death nero commits suicide last paragraph yet today there are no cathedrals named nero people don't usually name their sons nero no buildings are named in honor of nero lots of people though are named paul and paula and pauline Today, none of what Nero wrote from his palace covers the globe, while what Paul wrote from the confines of a prison and in chains is a significant part of the most published and sold book in the history of the world. What Paul did with his life sowed the seeds for a movement that has not stopped growing and expanding for the last 2,000 years. Amen, amen, amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hi, this is Pastor Dudley, and I want to invite you to Shepherd Church for our annual 4th of July Spectacular. We'll have fireworks starting at 9 o'clock p.m. Bring family and friends and enjoy an evening of fireworks and fun. Visit shepherdchurch.com to learn more about our 4th of July celebration. Can't wait to see you at our annual 4th of July Spectacular. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.